Good morning, podcasters. This is The Commute, your one and only source for real-time traffic updates that are obsolete by the time you hear them and cutting social commentary. I'm your host, Chris Single, reporting live, recorded from the Midwest Coast, Best Coast, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Your co-host, Michael Zeke, couldn't be with us today because of time zones. Michael Zeke is currently traveling through time and space, located in Los Angeles, California, 90011, I don't know, he's somewhere around there. 90210, 90028, something like that. But he is sleeping it away because it is six in the morning where he's at and he's dreaming about butterfly kisses and long flowing hair and a future of a post-scarcity society that doesn't rely on currency and a sustained notion that man must work for a living and long flowing hair. I think we're approaching the singularity. That's part of what the Commute Podcast wants to be about. It's this commute from a capitalist society into a post-scarcity society, a more grown-up society where everyone is simply given enough to survive on, and from there, they're really allowed to thrive. And I think um, that's the topic of today's podcast, that being given enough, having enough as a grown-up to move on, really achieving your Maslow's hierarchy of needs to hit your base levels and then be able to move past that. And I think it's a little complicated to hit those base levels these days. I mean, my cost of living is certainly cheaper in Grand Rapids than it was in Los Angeles, but it's still difficult to pay your rent, your mortgage, and your taxes, and your food bills, and all of that stuff, and then have enough time and or money to really achieve something. So I think the point of something like a universal basic income is to at least give you the money to... It's a social safety net, like every other social safety net. It gives you the fallback option of, well, I won't starve to death. I might live in a tent and eat ramen noodles, but I'll survive. And that's pretty much the best argument I've seen for a universal basic income just allowing people to survive. They don't really want more than that. And a script I thought of writing and probably never will because I don't live in LA and who needs to read a script that I write is the basics of what people on a universal basic income to decide to do with their time and who from among these walks of life decides to accept that new lifestyle. Well, people who were super passionate in their previous careers be willing to drop them just because they now know they can get 12 grand a year for free. I think the answer is probably not in reality, but in the show, which I'm picturing as a sort of futuristic comedy, I think you would get some of those. And here's what really spurred it all. Spurred, not spurned. I'm a grown adult putting together a slight presentation for some folks and uh, just had a fruit roll up and a can of coke for breakfast. So it's not like you have to do all things right all the time. You just have to try and survive. Apparently Warren Buffett eats Twinkies and Cokes every day. Weird dude. I mean, I guess I would. At a certain point, it's just one less thing to worry about. And again, it comes down to that mentality. Is life about removing things to worry about or about giving you the option to 
achieve and explore things. And I think that universal basic income sort of hits both of those. Having it universal really means that everyone has the opportunity to go try weird things. But having it basic is really just a survival instinct. It's not going to make anyone rich. Even if you had a dozen people crammed into a flop house together, they're really not doing that much. Eh, maybe. If you really had like a frat house. That's interesting. You could pay the mortgage on the house and probably buy a boat. That's the frat boat. I haven't posted a podcast in several days. I don't. Uh, I don't think anyone's noticed. I'll have to ask Michael. He was dreaming about butterfly kisses. I thought the dude behind me was a uh, Muslim cleric, like an imam or something. It's just a dude wearing a backwards baseball cap with a very long beard. I thought it was a religious garb and a beard. No, just a Midwestern dude who may or may not hate Muslims. So we made our left onto the highway. We're now on the highway where we're going to try to do the Hegelian synthesis of, right, but what's the con of basic income? And the con is who pays for it? Who pays for such a thing? And ideally, you simply skim off automation wages, you know? If you fired someone who was making 45 grand and you replaced it with a robot that cost you 20 grand and you now are legally required to fund a universal basic income of 12 grand, you're still making money as a company. The question is, how do you determine that? And are you punishing automation and efficiency gains by implementing in that way? Is there a better way to acquire that? Oh, because my AC's not on. That's why it's warm in here. Oh, although I guess it's 71 degrees outside. 72 degrees in here. Okay. So is there a way to more accurately acquire and distribute gains? Because it's going to be some sort of redistribution. is relatively simple with a universal basic income because there's no means testing or anything like that. You really could have it distributed to everyone in America and then at the end of the year they just simply pay taxes on it. And to that effect, do you just raise taxes on everyone? So that the first year it feels like a windfall until tax time comes. And then you might owe... 12 grand, or you might owe 20 grand. And by the way, I think you pay it out monthly, not quarterly or anything. And another interesting way of funding it is these ideas of common goods that no one really owns, that everyone benefits from, but corporations disproportionately benefit from. Like water, air, or bandwidth. Spectrum auctions would help fund this. And uh, I don't know how. Well, yes, I do. 
lot of that is used by broadcast right now, but I know there's a push towards using it for like driverless cars who need to be able to communicate with each other and markers on the road and things like that. So it's always a use for broad for spectrum. The other thought is a land value tax, so that developing stuff around it makes the land itself more valuable. So you tax the value of the land, and it encourages everyone in the community to develop the community. Which has some strong components in, you know, Georgian theory, Georgian land value, whatever. I just am unclear of if that is development for development's sake. If it makes some sort of weird math on paper to build three Chuck E. Cheese's downtown, is that actually helping anyone, or is it just a lot of Chuck E. Cheese's? And I only ask because of sustainability and opportunity cost. And Opportunity cost really stretches me out because you're always comparing yourself to an optimal and you're never going to be to pick the optimal solution because there's practically infinite solutions. So you try to do the best you can and then uh, you don't. You don't do the best you can because you can't predict the future. but you're doing the best this universe allowed you to do. Playing No Man's Sky, living in that universe. Here's my thing about No Man's Sky. It's getting a lot of criticism for what it was never meant to be. I don't know what people expected. I expected 18 quintillion worlds, quadrillion, whatever, to no, 18 quintillion, to explore and name stuff and improve my ship and my gun and my suit, and that's it. And I think there's still opportunity there to tie this into basic income, the pros and the cons. You can gamify stuff so that people are entertained all day. Bread and circuses, literally give them 12 grand for bread, give them a cheap long-lasting video game for their circus, and that's all people need. Now, here's the problem. Is that a benefit, or is that the downfall of society? That was explained as the downfall of Rome, when you just distracted the people. And there's something about this fight for legalizing marijuana that stresses me out, because you're fighting for Soma. You're saying, please, government, give me a recreational drug so I can hang out and not pay attention to the government. It's fine, you know. It just doesn't seem like the best use of lobbying time and resources. And that's the opportunity cost again. It's a good thing to do, it's not the best thing to do. But done is better than perfect. If you can finish a good thing, it's better than not starting the perfect thing. Maybe. Maybe that's the lesson for today.
I don't know, man. Thanks for listening. As always, we will catch you on the next one. This has been the Commute Podcast. Peace.